0: Welcome to my podcast. This is Dolly. I'm so thankful that you've um, tuned in today. Um, I wanted to talk about today if vision boards were scriptural. You know, um, I got introduced to vision boards a couple years ago and I thought, well, it sounds really amazing. You know, there's a lot of scientific proof behind the fact that these things work, but is it scriptural? Because if it's not scriptural, I'm not going to get tied up in it because um, truth will prevail at all times. And if it's not, a truth, if it's not something that's founded, then it won't It won't work, it won't last. And so I sought the Lord and started trying to figure out, is this scriptural God for me to place a vision in front of my face and, and imagine it and think about it and pray about it and dream about it and just stay focused on the direction that I'm heading? And if it's not, you know, reveal it to me. But if it is, please confirm it for me. And so he did that. He confirmed it. And I wanted to share it with you. I'm not going to take a lot of time today, but I just wanted to give you a couple of good examples in the Bible where God actually um, did this. You know, Habakkuk tells us in, in chapter two, it says, write the vision, make it plain upon tables that he that reads it can run with it. You know, it's very important for you to be successful and to obtain your promises by writing the vision down, by getting the vision planned. You know, know what it is you're trying to accomplish and get that laid out in front of you. And so vision boards are just a powerful tool because we don't think in words, we think in pictures. So vision boards are so dynamic in the ability that they have to help us gravitate towards those things that we focus on. And um, there's a couple of scriptures in Genesis where we're dealing with Abraham. Here he is, he's out there and God's given him a promise that he's going to have... A lot of kids. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. A nation. And um, Abraham was thinking, wow, that's an incredible promise. He had that in his heart then. You know, just like you, I know that the Bible tells us that before you were born, you know, God God spoke over you and he said things to you. And he, you have that in you already. You have a dream and a desire. and something you would really love to see come to pass. But, you know, we don't always know how to go about accomplishing it. But it, it's in there. God has spoken something over you. And and Abraham had that word from God. But even though you have that word, it still can be very difficult to get from point A to point B. Because you still just don't know exactly um, what, what you should do or, or, you know, how to, how to make things happen. Or is this okay for me to even believe for this? And all these questions that we have. And so, um, God started helping him, um, whenever he was going through, um, some times and, um, his, his wife had been kidnapped and he got her back and all these things were happening. And there was a lot of problems between his herdsmen and Lot's, and so they had to separate, and he was going through all these challenges, making him question whether or not, you know, he was even right to be thinking about the things he was thinking about. You know, his whole life was going upside down, and he was getting separated from his friends, and just things were going on, and he just didn't know for sure, and so um, the Lord um, said to him, Abram, after Lot was separated from him, this is in, in chapter 13, verse 14, he said, lift up your eyes and look. From the place where you're at, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all this land that you see, I'm going to give it to you and your seed forever. And he said, I'm going to make your seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall your seed also be numbered. So here he's telling him, it's going to be a lot, Abraham. Look down at the ground. Look at the dust. Look at the sand. Every single one of those little specks of dust, those represent one of your children. And if, if somebody could number the dust of the earth, they would be able to number how many children you're going to have. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed because of you and your seed. And so God gave Abraham a visual thing to look at all day long. So when Abraham woke up in the morning and walked outside the tent, he could look down at the ground and say, that's right, I'm going to have so many seed, it's not even going to be able to be numbered. And when he was going through his day and he was working and he was trying to stay focused and he would get discouraged or things might happen or maybe he was even having a good day, but just still wasn't completely fulfilled and satisfied. He could look down at the ground and he could see the reminder. He could visualize. He could sit there and see, could I count these? And he could start trying to just meditate on what God had spoken to him. And it was so powerful for him. But do you know that as you do that, there were times still when the sun went down and Abraham couldn't see the ground. He couldn't see the dust. And, and, you know, you find yourself in those places where, you know, there you need something else. And so God, sure enough, he shows up again in chapter 15. Um, it says in verse 4, Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, um, he had asked God, there was there was one baby born in his house to one of his servants or something. He said, is this going to be my heir? And, and God said, no. In verse four, it says, um, your heir is going to come out of your own bowels. In verse five, he says, and he brought him forth abroad and he said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if you're able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall your seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he was counted unto him for righteousness. Ooh, that's powerful. So whenever he was in a very dark place, and he was ready to compromise, and he was ready to, um, you know, take a shortcut, because evidently it wasn't going to work out the way that God said it was going to work out, and so he was kind of getting discouraged, and, and he's out and it's nighttime, and he can't see the dust, and so he's talking to God, is, is this going to be my air? is that what you meant, this cheap knockoff kind of way, and God said, no, look at the stars, can you count them? So what God had done, basically, was set it up to where 24 hours a day, that vision was in front of Abraham. If, if wherever he went, if he was if it was the sun was out, he could see the dust, he knew, that's how many kids I'm going to have. But if, if it was dark, he, all he had to do was just glance up in the sky. And back then, without all the lighting and everything, the stars must have been extraordinary. And he would be able to sit there and just see if he could count the stars and think about how many children he was going to have. He could meditate on the promise that God had given him. There is so much power in you staying focused on what God has said about you in your life. You know, God has such incredible things for us to accomplish. But, you know, if you go, he finally had this child, right? And so this child has children. And so here we get to the third generation and you've got Jacob now. And Jacob has had to run away, he went out to Laban's, and got deceived a few times. And he spent years working for wife number one, working for wife number two. Then all of a sudden he's, um, you know, he's there, and now he's working just to get some money so he can get him some cattle put together so he'll have something for his family. And his The Bible, I think, tells us that Laban changed his wages 10 times. And Jacob just wanted to get deliverance from a financial system that he was never going to get victory over. You know, it's kind of like what we're doing now. You go to work every day and you just work and work and work and work and work and then you get one little 50 cent raise and then they raise the price of milk. And so you ain't no better off. And you're not about to get out of there. You're not about to to be able to be delivered. And so when Jacob realized that, he started coming up with his own plan and talking to the Lord about it. And um he said in verse 31 of chapter 30, um, Laban didn't want him to leave. You know, he, he knew that um, he was blessed because Jacob was there. And he said, you just tell me what you want me to pay you. And he said in verse 31, what will I give you? And Jacob said, you're not going to give me anything. Okay, because this is what we're going to do. And if you do this, I'll feed your flock and I'll, 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 I'll keep them, you know. I'm gonna pass through the flock, and I'm gonna paraphrase this because it's a couple of pages here. He says, I'm gonna go through all the cattle, and if there's any cattle that have spots, speckles, or stripes on them, or I think any brown sheep, I'm gonna take those, and you're gonna keep all the other sheep, I guess the white or the black, and you're gonna keep all the cattle that are solid color. And will that work as a settlement? And so he said, sure. So um, Jacob separates those cattle. He takes all the ones that are going to belong to him, and he gives them to his sons. And he says, take them over here, three days journey away, so we don't get them mixed up. And I'm going to continue to take care of Laban's animals. And so it goes down to verse um, 36. He has set three days journey between himself and his children. And he fed Laban's flock. And Jacob took rods of green poplar and of hazel and chestnut tree and peeled white streaks in them and made the white appear which was in the rods. Now, so he took some sticks and he carved stripes and spots on them. And then he set the rods, which he had peeled before the flocks in the gutters at the watering troughs when the flocks came to drink, that they should conceive when they came to drink. And the flocks conceived before the rods and brought forth cattle, ring straight, speckled and spotted. And Jacob did um, separate the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the ring straked and all the brown in the flock of Laban, and he put his And he put his own flock by themselves and put them not in Laban's cattle. And it came to pass, so here's how he got crafty. When the stronger cattle came to conceive, that Jacob laid the rods before the eyes of the cattle in the gutter, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the cattle that were feeble, he did not put them in, so that the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. And the man increased exceedingly. And he had so much cattle and manservants and maidservants and camels and asses that he heard um, Laban's son say, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. And of all that which our father had, has he gotten all this glory? So what actually happened was he put these spots and stripes in front of the cows. So cows are about to be mating and everything. He brings them to the watering trough. He picks out the healthy good ones that he wants. And he puts this pole in the watering trough. So when that cow is drinking or that lamb or whatever is drinking out of the water, they're seeing spots and stripes and stuff. So when they conceived, their babies actually had spots and stripes. But on the animals that were weak, and he didn't even want those animals, he would not put the sticks in the trough. So when they drank, they just drank plain and then they had plain solid babies. And so they were Laban's and then Jacob got all the others. And it says that he has taken away everything that was our father's. He, all of a sudden he got so big. I heard one time that the number of cattle and and animals that Jacob left Laban's house with were so massive that it would have taken the entire state of Oklahoma just for Jacob's animals. And so that is a lot. (laughs) There's a lot of uh, grazing land in Oklahoma. And so... It's just really powerful. And I, I tell people all the time, you know, if it worked for a cow, it'll work for you. Listen, you've gotta get the vision and you gotta get it in front of your face. I know that there's particular tribes somewhere and I can't think of where it was. There's a, a country somewhere and it has two twin mountains. You can Google it by looking up who has the highest population of twin births. Because these two mountains in this, in this um, place, they are twin mountains. They literally look identical to each other. And they overshadow this one particular village in the on the earth, and in that village is the highest number of twins born in the world. And it's just amazing how when something is set before your eyes, when you when you have a vision that you're maintaining all the time, it does affect you. That's why TV is so so hurtful to. Um, People that are trying to be in faith or people that are trying to, um, you know, keep themselves straight. Because when you keep that in front of your face all the time, uh, all the things that they're saying and doing and portraying and stuff, it can affect you. And the enemy knows that. And so I just wanted to to share this today. In Habakkuk 2, it tells us to write the vision and make it plain. And so we need to know what it is we're believing God for. I tell the kids all the time at school, you know, They think, well, I'm being greedy, you know. Somebody told me I can't pray for that because that's selfish. You know, I tell them, if you can't believe God for a pair of tennis shoes or if you can't believe God for a scooter or whatever it is you want right now, then how are you going to learn how to believe God for nations or for positions or for the finances to support the gospel or anything else, you know. You can't allow people to keep you from becoming what you were created to be. And uh, they don't mean to do it, you know. But y- you have to set your own standard. And and I want to recommend that when you're trying to do that and you're trying to believe God for things and you're trying to grow and develop, that you make sure you keep it scriptural. You know, when when I discovered these stories in the Bible and how God used this same technique to help his children obtain the promises and obtain the glory and obtain the victory. And um, look at how many seed Abraham has today. You can't number them. And all, the, all the Christians are Abraham's seed. All the Jews are Abraham's seed. All the Muslims are Abraham's seed. You've got He has literally had nations come out of him. And um, it's very powerful. And so if that's the way God wants to help Abraham obtain the promises that he's made over his life, then I think it's perfectly okay for us to use those same techniques to figure out how to bring to pass the will of God for our lives also. So I just wanted to share this and I really hope it encourages you and I really hope that you take um, getting a vision and keeping it in front of your face, I really hope that you take that um, you know, seriously and really pray and consider what it is that you're believing God for and how are you going to accomplish it. Because um, God has so much for us to do. There is a world out there that really needs Jesus and needs to be saved. And, and they're actually waiting for us um, and to get our faith together and to get our life together. The Bible says, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So there's promises out there. And we want to lead those people to the Lord. And we're going to do it one way by obtaining the promises that God has given us. And so if we need to make a vision board and put it in front of our face or put it on our iPad or on our iPhone or, you know, I have literally vision boards in several different places and I even have extra pictures in areas like, I know we're gonna be sitting in front of the TV at times. Well, I've placed pictures around the TV of the things that I'm believing God for so that I can just keep that vision constantly in front of my face. So I just wanted to, again, encourage you to try to grow and develop yourself and bring yourself into a new, new places and new levels and and dare to believe God and, and walk this thing out. And I really hope that this has been a blessing to you. I'm so thankful for you for tuning in. If you, if you could share this with somebody, maybe if you know somebody that might need to hear this, that would really bless me. And, um, I will see you again soon and I hope you have a great week. Bye-bye.